also, I just heard this phrase, have a picnic life, bitch. Whoa. <laughs> and I want to yell at it, someone. God damn. Like the like most innocent, aggressive thing <laughs> you could say. I will. Fuck. Apparently it's a quote from Teen Mom. You remember that quality fucking show? Uh, fucking. I can't believe it's still on and I love it. It's so bad, but it's so addicting. Oh, it's complete garbage but i yeah. love it yeah <laughs> well welcome to episode 31 that's exciting yeah it it's is always exciting. exciting we're here again yeah another week we're still doing it woke up <laughs> well <laughs> i woke up again <laughs> that's nice grandma <laughs> <laughs> see you next sunday god willing <laughs> oh, i can't wait to say that all the time when i'm old me too okay stacy give me your goddamn okay my goddamn is uh, a couple weeks ago we were talking about Brandon getting that Charlie horse in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. it being the worst pain that he's ever felt in his whole life. Mm-hmm. Poor well, guy. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> really hope he pulls through. <laughs> I'm actually really happy he did pull through. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, it's a rough road. It is. Recovery ahead of him. <laughs> but ever since we made fun of him that night, I have fucking gotten nightly Charlie horses because oh, no. I'm pregnant. <laughs> that just sucks. It's like the universe is like, uh, fuck you. <laughs> Don't make fun of other people, Stacy. <laughs> I'll be like so cozy in my bed and sleeping. And you know when you just kind of stir awake a little bit and you like reposition and you stretch because mm-hmm. you're so comfy and you're just like... I'm never getting out of this bed. Well, mid-stretch, I always get a Charlie horse, and I and it'll be in both legs because I stretch my legs straight, and then I point my toes like at the same time, like, oh, yep. I'm going to be so tall <laughs> in my bed. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, it's like fucking bam, two Charlie horses in the calves. Yep. And I'm like, oh, and then I just instantly relax like I'm a dead fish, <laughs> and then it'll go away. You don't start screaming about how it's the worst pain of your life and wake up your husband? Nah. Interesting. I've given birth. <laughs> Without <laughs> rough yeah those pregnancy fucking charlie horses oh no they're not fun and then at dinner tonight i was sitting there (laughs) eating dinner with my lovely family in the middle of a story and i was like and lee was like what the fuck is happening (laughs) i'm like i got charlie horse in my foot for a second (laughs) it's like i get them in the balls of my yeah not the balls the arch yeah yeah those ones are the weirdest ones though because it makes your feet like tired well it makes my feet like turn in like, you know those, like, Asian women that bind their feet? Yeah. <laughs> it, like, does that to my foot for a minute. And I'm like, I can't control this. <laughs> I, when I was pregnant, it happened a lot, but I would wear flip-flops all the time because I was swollen as fuck. Yeah. And I would, like, I don't know, like, stretch up on my tippy toes for something, and then I would get <gasps> down, and, like, one of my toes would just be pointing up still or, like, to the side because it would, like, cramp out weird. And I was like, holy shit. I would point it out to everyone every time. Like, look at it. Look at it. Look at it. They're like, what the fuck? Like, is it broken? I'm like, no, it's cramping. It hurts real bad. I just have no bones in that toe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah shit's intense. And then it probably doesn't help that, like, I have the worst fucking memory ever because I'm fucking pregnant, and I can never remember if I took my prenatal vitamin or not oh no and so i'm always like i better not just to be safe like i don't want to double up on the fucking folic acid or some shit and hurt my baby you think that's bad i i would think so they have warnings all over the bottle like don't take too much iron oh i can't have too much iron you probably can't like physically you cannot get enough iron into my body (laughs) (laughs) physically i don't bloat (laughs) (laughs) fun fact (laughs) since you mentioned that like my doctor moved places and so now i can see all of my test results on my phone oh cool and i fucking tested anemic 
Did you? Yeah, I wonder if she'll talk to me about it. Welcome but then I the thought club. of you. And I was like, I don't bruise like a peach. I don't know what they're talking about. That's <laughs> probably because I'm not remembering to take my goddamn vitamins. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't even suffer from all the anemia symptoms. <laughs> and I'm like, look, I can draw black lines on my face with gold. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's my bestie. <laughs> Ignore, Just ignore her. Ignore the Ash Wednesday shit going on <laughs> her forehead. <laughs> All right. You want to hear my goddamn? Duh. Aaron. Okay. Have you seen these goddamn fucking crane flies that are around? Dude. Oh, my God. I was actually going to mention that because when I was walking up your stairs, like 50 of them bombarded me. Yeah. <laughs> The crane flies that I call mosquito hawks. Uh, yeah, yeah. I always did. I just learned this year what they're called. I did too in a team meeting because we were literally talking about this at work because there's so many of them. Yeah, they're all hatching right now. Brandon fucking sent me a video of one hatching. Ew. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Did it make you itchy? Well, I didn't know what it was. And it was like <laughs> super zoomed in. Ew. And so I was like, and then in the background of the video, like Carl barks and the thing like twitches. Oh, it's like his video? Yeah. His home, I thought yeah. he like YouTubed it. Like, look, this is a fucking crane fly giving. No. Birth. He was like, <gasps> check this shit out. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And he was like, it's one of those things coming out of the pupae or whatever, pupa <laughs> or whatever. And I was like, that's not enough words to describe what the fuck I'm looking yeah. at. Like, fucking stop with your big words. Yeah. What is that? And <laughs> I Mitochondria tell- is the powerhouse of the cell or whatever <laughs> yeah. that shit is. I couldn't tell how big it was, but in the video, it looked like the size of my arm. No. <laughs> so I was like, what is that and it was clearly in the yard like yeah we're trying to grow the hops again they actually Mm -hmm. started growing (gasps) yay did you guys buy some no but one of them started like sprouted Ooh. so we were doing that or he was doing that i won't lie i wasn't out there yeah and uh and then that thing happened i guess but it was only like this big but the video i legit thought it was like fucking the size of my arm and she said this big it was like the size of a pea yeah, it was small. But those things have been around, and they're scaring the fucking shit out of me because I hate them so much. And Dude, every time everywhere. I think of Jamie Ann. I do, too. <laughs> what the fuck is this Jurassic motherfucker? Oh, my God. I think she said Jurassic Park-looking motherfucker, <laughs> and I died. If you guys don't know what like a mosquito hawk or a crane fly is you should google it they just look like giant fucking mosquitoes but yeah they, i think they eat the mosquitoes it looks like the mosquito that was stuck in amber a fucking million yes. years ago <laughs> yes in the movie jurassic park uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> where they pulled the fucking dna from yeah that's what they look like but they're everywhere so like when i go to pick up my son from daycare not often but happened this week she asked me to go on the side of the house to because they were in the backyard Mm -hmm. instead of going through the front door so i went on the side of the house and there's like grass which california never has grass but because it's been raining so much there's like weeds grass whatever and and i'm not throwing shade my whole backyard is nothing but weeds (laughs) oh yeah no Uh, mine is too (laughs) yeah it's just we call it grass when we cut it (laughs) looks like grass (laughs) i cut the weeds today (laughs) but I was walking through the side yard and as I walked through it was like I was a fucking Disney princess and those were like the pretty little bluebirds flying everywhere they just like poofed out of the grass and were like no flying everywhere and I was trying not to panic yeah they have fucking no regard for your face too no like, they just like, come right at it and they get in your hair yeah Ooh, they're awful there's someone in your hair now <laughs> stop it <laughs> well, itchy I'm actually not afraid of them now like I think I was when I was younger because they're so big yeah so they don't freak me out as much as like I just don't like yeah i think that goes with all bugs yeah that's true my relationship to bugs all right lady okay it's my turn to go first okay so uh, my story today 
is about Stacy. Yes, Erin. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> she said my name. <laughs> my story is about Ira Einhorn. Ooh. Also known as the Unicorn Killer. <gasps> what? Yes, yeah, fucked up, right? I never even considered Googling. Wait, is she a unicorn or does she slaughter unicorns? Uh, it's a he. Oh. And Ira. I was not expecting Ira that. is a he. And he, you'll see. I oh. mean, some okay. might say he slaughters unicorns. Mythical beasts? <laughs> he slaughters? Creatures. He slaughters creatures of the night? <laughs> They're not Are they at the night? No, they're probably not. They have a horn, though. They do have a horn. Okay, so (laughs) Ira Einhorn was a... Einhorn? Yeah. Unicorn horn? Yeah, get it? Actually, since you're beautifully leading me into the segue, even though it's like my fourth bullet down. Mm -hmm. um, Skip ahead, just for me. Just (laughs) for you, baby. (laughs) He gave himself the nickname the Unicorn because his last name, Einhorn, means one horn in german okay which i guess could roughly translate to the unicorn creative and he was like i'm a fucking unicorn baby all right and so that's where the unicorn part comes in Um, and also other people were like unicorns are like beautiful kind creatures but they're also dangerous and i was like i've never once heard of a unicorn being dangerous i mean i guess it could impale people if it that's what i was thinking in danger maybe because like (laughs) think of any animal with a horn they're all like some sort of danger level yeah. Can you well, think of one with a horn that's not dangerous? No. You're no. trying. I mean, do, like, antlers count as horns? Because deer aren't really... I mean, they're dangerous, though, if they if they were to fucking mess you up with those bad boys. Yeah. Like a buck? You don't want to come near a buck. Yeah. So, Ira the Unicorn was a middle-class Jewish man who grew up in Philadelphia, and he was a prominent activist during the 1960s and the 70s. Okay. Or maybe he grew up in the 60s and an activist in the 70s. You know, listen, I didn't write down exact dates. All right. But you get the picture. He was known around town as a very charismatic, like, hippie guru kind of guy. And he often looked really unkept, as hippies did. And he smelled of strong body odor. Are you also picturing the fucking hippie dad from Meet the Fockers? Oh, but he was, like, more hippie. Like, he, he had unruly hair and a... Big yeah, old this guy didn't scraggly have scraggly beard. But he did have flowing white pants and he like did. an open shirt. <laughs> he, did, he did. And I think that was pretty much him, but I think he wore the same flowing white pants and open shirt every day. Mm. So he smelled real bad. Okay. okay. And like his friends said I was I watched a documentary on it and his friends said that he would actually bathe for like literally hours. Like he would always be in the bathroom cleaning himself, but he would just put on the same dirty clothes gross and it was like the stinky it was so bad somebody said it was like hoagies with onions on it (laughs) (laughs) that's disgusting but it was almost like it was part of his persona like how he wanted the world to perceive him yeah like i'm the stinky hippie person that's gross it was done on purpose i don't fucking know i don't get it but he stunk okay and but apparently he was like super in touch with like the youth culture and the whole like left-wing radical ideologies of anti-war and anti-government establishments and all that shit all right so he'd run around and be like the cia are listening to your fucking words you're saying and shit and don't let the man hold you down and peace and love and happiness like he was a hippie yeah i feel you (laughs) Uh uh-huh and so around town he was dubbed philadelphia's head hippie oh what is i don't know why it's such a weird title to me like i'm on the head hippie yeah around here isn't hippie like all like about like we live in a commune and we all share shit together there's not like one of you there's not like one fucking top 
hippie to rule them all. Yeah, <laughs> he was trying to be the one hippie to rule them all. Side ta- <laughs> tangent. I have this distinct memory of my grandpa telling me about, my grandpa was friends with a bunch of hippies. My grandpa was friends with everybody. Yeah. And in Colorado, there was a commune out by their land. And he, my grandpa would take my dad and they would go like talk and sit out at the picnic table and shit like with this commune in their commune. And they would have this giant cheese, like a piece of cheese in the middle of the table that they would leave out and people would just like, there was a knife and you would just cut a slice of cheese off and you would just hang out and talk and eat cheese. That is disgusting. Every time I think about like communes and hippies and shit, I think about a giant piece of cheese that's been like sitting in the sun. Like a giant block of cheddar. That is like my fucking three worst fears in one thing. <laughs> and one is just eating plain cheese. It's yes. fucking gross to it's me. titties. Cheese is good. No, it's... No. Yes. I like cheese. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> just cheese by itself just fucking grosses me out. I could eat a block of cheese. Put cheese on a cracker and I'm in. Okay, I could do that too. I would prefer it on a cracker. But yeah. If I'm in a commune and I don't have crackers. And then the second thing is hippies touching my food. Yeah. Yeah, you're sharing hippie food. <laughs> yeah. And then the third is they probably didn't have it on a plate. It was just on a picnic table. I'm sure it was, it was like on a plate. splinters in your cheese. I'm sure it was on a plate. But think of all the flies landing on Ooh, it and shit. I don't that's know. gross. I'll have to get more details from my dad about this cheese. Yeah. But if anybody else there has hippie cheese or has had hippie cheese tell us about it <laughs> i feel like hippie cheese should be a brand it's probably a brand in california already it's probably like a vegan brand yeah <laughs> this is my hippie cheese <laughs> gross uh, anyway he was head hippie around philadelphia and he was always in the public and he would involve himself in like a ton of protests and like public lectures and stuff and evidently he was like a big part of or he claims he was a big part of the very first earth day which was held in philadelphia oh okay supposedly he claims to actually have been the creator of earth day but the actual people who created earth day are like that's a bunch of bullshit (laughs) we created it and we held it and then he just got up on the stage and hogged the mic for like a half hour or something like that preaching his propaganda and so he sounds like a real treat so they were kind of annoyed of him yeah it's like weird because everything i read he was like very prominent in the town and people either they pretty much loved him but they knew that he was kind of aggressive and like pushed his ideologies and theories and he had like this charisma and he could just like talk himself through anything like they have like video clips of him talking about like the government and shit and the cia and all this other like his crazy fucking propaganda shit and he's like going up like he doesn't even take a breath and you're just like all right man this guy's mad give him a microphone (laughs) i think the opposite of that should happen (laughs) take the microphone away from him well yeah different times though right yeah i guess like in the 70s everybody used to wear like fucking poodle skirts like five years before and now you're like fuck your poodle skirts i'm gonna burn my bras let's listen to this guy yeah fuck the cia all right yeah touche i guess that's what they were all about anyway (laughs) apparently they really had a problem with the cia (laughs) dude my dad still has a problem your dad has a problem with the cia they hate alexa yeah it's true (laughs) it's a it's a different generation totally we're like fuck it what are you gonna record i don't give a shit yeah (laughs) if i get murdered you'll have my fucking suspect right there that'll be nice to have yeah okay so even though he was like pretty pushy and assertive and kind of aggressive and stuff he always made friends wherever he went And it was, like, this air of confidence that he had made people, like, trust him. Ugh. And I guess big corporations would hire him to help be their link between, like, the youth culture. 
because he was so in touch with the youth culture and these like big corporations wanted to get in touch with like a younger target audience so that they'd still remain relevant and shit. This guy sounds like a tool. Yeah. So this is what he would do. He would be like, yeah, they fucking, they love, I don't know, fucking flowers. So put a flower on that. I don't know exactly what he would do, but he he would like go in and pretend and in his stinky clothes and everything, like head CEO people would like meet with him and listen to what he had to say and pay him for his time just so that they could get some sort of like intel on the people they want to reach their target audience uh, that feels like a traitor of him yeah like if you're against the government you're probably also against like big company and yeah he's like well i gotta get fucking paid so i guess ira never really actually kept a job or anything either other than these like little side gigs with corporations and shit but instead what he would do is he'd like hop around from like town to town and rally and rally and speak his little piece on conspiracies and shit and he would befriend like the rich and wealthy socialites who would in turn help him pay for like daily expenses and shit because okay. they like liked what he was preaching and believed in it and so they he would befriend them and then they would help like you know here's a fucking sandwich i don't know what they would buy him but <laughs> oh he just needs like five bucks here and there yeah you just need a ride here hop in my bentley okay so you have this like weird popular guy in town that people either love to hate or hate to love and he was really really smart super intelligent he studied a lot of really smart shit and he'd say a lot of smart words so people thought he was real smart <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> i didn't write down any of the shit he actually studied he was like a teacher at some point too okay but he did a lot of fucking shit so and he wasn't like a complete psycho or anything no no he was like i would imagine that we've been friends with this guy before okay <laughs> you know like we we're just kind of like eh, he's kind of a dick but yeah he's got some good points yeah also he should take a shower yeah (laughs) yeah also fucking wash your clothes yeah you stank so in 1972 ira met this woman named holly maddox and the two of them began dating and holly was this beautiful blue-eyed cheerleader from tyler texas who was living in philadelphia attending college so i guess she like grew up in this pretty conservative family in texas and then she moved to philadelphia to go join this like all women's college i forget what she was studying but she was like super beautiful had this really big larger than life personality she was really intelligent super sweet woman like the total fucking package yeah and so ira met her and was like i I want that (laughs) i will have one of those (laughs) i will take one of those please (laughs) and so he took one (laughs) so the two of them started dating and the relationship lasted about five years and during the five-year span holly had decided like okay ira it's time for you to meet my family let me bring this hippie dude home to my super conservative texas family who smells like cheese that's been out in the sun for too long (laughs) (laughs) my hippie cheese (laughs) and before she brought him home she warned her family and her parents she was like i want you to meet my boyfriend he's a bit quirky (laughs) (laughs) you just have to understand you just don't know him like i do Uh (laughs) uh-huh no but she was like you're not gonna like him but just be nice like yeah basically was like this is what i like can you just cool it dad already know you're not gonna be cool with him yeah yeah so her siblings say that the night that holly brought him over Mm -hmm. they like had this super nice little family dinner and like i said they're very conservative polite people and ira walks in and he's very unkept 
and he didn't really like follow rules or have many manners or anything and so they remember the siblings remember that the visit was like super bad and really awful and no one liked ira at all that sucks and they sat down for dinner and they all like played it up and everything and ira was like super sloppy and he ate his meal and grabbed seconds before like some people even had their first plated all the way Mm. and then which sounds like a little bit of an exaggeration but maybe he just helped himself to seconds without asking or something i I feel like when you're in someone's home you just kind of cool it and like pretend that you have like some semblance of table manners yes like you don't go for seconds until they're like, take seconds. Yeah, please. Or Did everybody's you like just it? sitting Have there. More. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's just sitting there and you're like, Man, those green beans were real good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So once they had finished eating, Ira apparently like leaned back in his chair and put his feet up on the dinner table. Gross. Yeah. Which in the interview, the sister, Holly's sister, was like, In Texas, that's a hanging offense. She said something <laughs> like that and it cracked me up. But obviously, anywhere where you're being fucking polite, you don't put your goddamn feet up on the table. Yeah, that's gross. So they were super offended. (laughs) Her siblings also noticed that Holly wasn't herself when she came home. Ooh. Ira was, like, super bossy and demanding, and she was very subdued and subservient to him. Mm. And they were like, this isn't Holly at all. Like, she needs to get away from him. There's actually been accounts from many of the common friends who claim that Ira was emotionally abusive to Holly. Oh, if there was a party and he liked another woman that was there or found her attractive or anything, he would have one of his friends take Holly home so that he could stay at the party and have sex with the girl. <gasps> That's fucked up. And he would do that like openly like, uh, Holly, you need to go home. I want to have sex with her. I don't know if That's I would say that, gross. but she knew what was happening. What a piece of garbage. Yeah, what a piece of shit, right? But he was kind of like this, you know, larger than life person that everybody loved. So he kind of got away with shit like that. No. Yeah, no, I agree. But that's how they explain him. All right. <laughs> also, if no. you see a picture of this man, you're like, ugh. But like, why, right? <laughs> yeah. He was, he was like, you know, very unkept and like not very fit or anything. Mm. Not what you would think people would, like, girls would be dropping their panties over or anything. <laughs> Supposedly, Ira had a history of doing this even with, like, his ex-girlfriends. He always had some sort of violence involved in one way or another. Ooh, Yeah, not good. One of the girlfriends claims that when she broke up with him, he choked her until she went unconscious. Oh, fuck. That's a bad sign. Yeah, that's a red flag. She also claims that he would like to torment animals. No. But the way he would do it, it was kind of weird. It was like he would like to take cats or their cat into the shower because the cats obviously don't like the showers and they would meow. Yeah. And it sounded like a scream. So he would like take the cat in there to listen to it scream and then he would like laugh all fucking crazy weird that's creepy but he wasn't like killing the cat it's just kind of making it uncomfortable yeah (laughs) and a weird thing which i guess is good but still fucking weird but if you like to hear any animal scream that's not it's not a good sign no it's not a good sign and he ended up on our podcast so you can tell where this is going yeah yeah that's like step three (laughs) (laughs) he was known also Just by, like, his friends and shit. Like, when they interview his friends later, he was known to be, like, super overbearing on his girlfriends and have his girlfriends do his bidding, like, comb his hair and tend to his every need and shit. Like, he was a dominant and they were submissive. I don't know if it was, like, a sexual thing or if it was just he was violent and aggressive so that they would, like, fall in step. I don't know all the details, but 
people from the outside could clearly see. Like, he had these women. That he was controlling them. Yeah, exactly. Gross. Yeah, super gross. I mean, if you're into that, that's cool, but. Not if they hit you. No. I mean, unless you like it. I don't know. If I got choked and then he was like, brush my hair. I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) Brush your own goddamn hair. I fucking can't breathe right now. (laughs) I just choked my My ass. My throat hurts. (laughs) Can I have some water first? (laughs) Dick. Jesus. Anyway. So, obviously, after years of abuse, five years to be exact, Holly was like, I'm tired of your shit. And she decided that she's going to break things off with Ira. Good. Good for her. Yeah. Super good for her. Go, Holly. This is now 1977. Okay. So I didn't write it down. I can't quite remember. I think Ira and Holly were like out of the States visiting somewhere, maybe in Europe. I don't know if they were vacationing or what. And then they got into an argument. Something sent her back home before him. So she comes home back to the States and she decides, I'm not fucking staying with Ira anymore. I'm breaking up with him. And she moves to New York. And while she's in New York, she starts a relationship with another man. And Ira's still out of the States, and she calls him to be like, hey, BT dubs, we're no longer a thing. I am breaking up with you. Oh, shit. Ira got pissed. And he was like, I'm fucking coming home, and I'm going to show you what's up. Uh, He didn't say that. That is not a quote. (laughs) I'm paraphrasing, of course. (laughs) So he returns to Philadelphia, and he tells Holly that she better come pick up her shit from his apartment, or he's going to throw it all away. Okay. And so she was like, fuck, man, that sucks. I can't just walk away from 50 CDs. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sure it was more important shit than that. But so she calls a handful of her friends who live in Philadelphia to be like, hey, can one of you guys go to Iris place and pick up my stuff? He's freaking the fuck out. I don't want it to get trashed. Can you please go get it? Yeah. But everyone that she called, I think she called four people. No one could help out. They weren't available. So this girl fucking goes to Philadelphia from New York to pick up her things from Iris house. Okay. They must have been real important. And also, definitely different times. Because I'd just be like, walking away from 50 CDs. Yeah, I feel like shit's replaceable. Yeah. Although. I guess it depends how much was in there, though. Like, if it was your whole apartment, I might be like, god damn it. Well, one of the things was a suitcase. So maybe it was, like, full of her shit. Like, she left fucking wherever they were at. I'm just going to say Europe. Left Europe and went to Philadelphia with nothing, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It was. Here's the sad thing, too. There's not a lot of shit on Holly. Like, there's not a lot of information on Holly. Hmm. It's all fucking Ira, this dick. Isn't that how it always works? Yeah, so I'm not quite sure what she was after, but she decides to go to Ira's apartment to pick up her stuff. So on September 9th, 1997, Holly leaves New York for Philadelphia. She goes to pick up her belongings at Ira's apartment, and she was never seen or heard from again. No. Right? No one except for her fucking family even noticed she was missing. Oh, God. And they only noticed because Holly had failed to call her mom on her birthday, which I don't know how much longer this was, but it was like days at least. Well, I mean, if she's away at college, you exactly not expect to hear from her every day. Exactly. How scary is that? And I guess like her friends didn't notice that she was missing because her and Ira had common friends and Ira had been running around the circle saying like hey we broke up so no one thought it was suspicious that she wasn't around that's fucked up because they broke up oh god I don't know about her fucking new ass boyfriend in New York though I was thinking that too like first of all a good boyfriend would go with her to be like "All right, man we'll go fucking tomorrow I'll take the day off work I'll wait in the car you look beautiful (laughs) yeah but he wouldn't wait in the car he would go with her to be like I'm the new boyfriend I'm gonna carry all this heavy shit ooh because I'm so strong yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. That's which drama. might start a confrontation. Yeah. Let <laughs> <laughs> me get my popcorn out. <laughs> but listen, then she wouldn't have been murdered. Yeah, you I'm don't assuming. Know if she got I'm assuming. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, Spoiler right. alert. I'm jumping ahead. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> Damn it. Eventually, Holly's parents, they contact the police and a missing persons case is opened. Okay. The first and most obvious suspect the police had was Ira, so they pay him a little visit and they question him, but he claims that what had happened was <laughs> that Holly left early that morning when she came to like get her things he like hopped in the fucking shower or some shit and while he was in the shower she left and it was early in the morning okay and that was the last time that he saw her sounds fishy yeah sounds mr super fishy. hopping in the shower mr smelly bo yeah yeah everyone knows you don't shower <laughs> well also like your ex-girlfriend is there grabbing her belongings because you just threatened to trash them you're not going to leave her alone in your apartment and be like, hang on, let me go shower real quick. Yeah. Let you trash all my shit. Yeah. No, you're going to be like, I'm fucking watching you. You're going to hover hand and be like, uh, are you taking any of my shit? Only take your shit. Yeah. The police are like, that's fucking sp- sus- sus- suspicious. <laughs> it's real suspicious. <laughs> and they keep an eye on Ira. And I guess they talk to him a few days later and they interview him again. And he's like, Oh, guess what? I heard from Holly. Oh, good. She called, and she called, like, two days ago. And I don't know why the fuck I didn't contact you, but just so you know, I talked to her, and she said that she's okay. And Thank that, God. Yeah, and that she's going to call me every week to make sure that I know that she's okay. Oh, But she you, doesn't want to be found. Not the police. Yeah. Uh, sure, buddy. Or her mom. Yeah, man. <laughs> Ma'am. Yeah, so everybody's like, okay but they were like trying to keep him on their side like yeah you're helping the investigation yeah but they're you don't all like let on that you're fucking suspicious it's you yeah they were all fucking suspicious but they didn't have any evidence or anything against ira so the investigation kind of stalled and holly's parents were like fuck that shit let's hire some in- private investigators to look into this dude because yeah. he's super fishy and i want some answers mm-hmm so by 1979, this is like almost two years later, the private investigators had gathered enough circumstantial evidence against Ira for the police to obtain a search warrant for his apartment. Oh, shit. The two main pieces of evidence that they found were that witnesses had come forward saying that Ira had requested their help to dispose of a trunk containing what he claimed were secret documents mm. from the Russian government or some shit. I can't remember, like, exactly what. But this whole CIA fucking propaganda yeah. shit. So there were secret documents, and he need help carrying the trunk out and destroying it. But the friends were like, no. I'll <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I need to stay home and wash my hair. Yeah, I think I left my oven on. Yeah, it's going to be a long day of oven leaving on. <laughs> yeah, I got to go. <laughs> And then the other thing was Ira's downstairs neighbors had started to complain of a rancid smell coming from his apartment. Well, that's not too far off. Well, there was some putrid brown liquid which had (gasps) begun to seep from Ira's floorboards above down onto the neighbor's kitchen ceiling. No! Yeah. Into their kitchen? Yeah. That's the not a good place for body fluids. The worst. Place. I'm jumping to conclusions, but You're I jump in the safe. right way. <laughs> yeah, it's safe. It's a safe jump. Safe to say. You're wearing a harness. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucking awful. Could you imagine? No. Just flipping up some flapjacks. 
Just <laughs> <laughs> that molasses? <laughs> just body juice hits you on the shoulder? No, 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 no. And then you're like, why is there a black dot in my pancake? Oh, that's a chocolate chip, honey. Ugh. Eat up. That is fucking yeah, it's awful. fucking gross. Anyway, on March 28th, 1997, Detective Mike Chiwood knocks on Ira's door with a warrant to search his apartment. Okay. Ira answers the door, and he's in only a robe, and it wasn't tied shut. Sounds I, right. I guess his friends were like, yeah, he was just naked all the fucking time. This is a classic Ira move. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Ira. <laughs> and so he lets the detectives in, and the search begins. The detective comes across this locked storage closet in the apartment, and he asks Ira, do you have a key for this? Mm-hmm. And Ira's like, nope, don't have a key. And so the detective's like, okay, well. That's fine. You- I'll just bust it down. <laughs> exactly. He's like, if you don't have a key, I'm going to have to break the lock. And I have a warrant, so I have to search everything, and that includes this closet. Mm-hmm. And Ira is basically like, do what you got to do. The detective is like, all right. And he's able to remove the padlock hinge mechanism thing. And he was immediately hit with the smell of rotting flesh. Oh, gross. Obviously, Ira's apartment probably didn't smell good to begin with. Yeah. But I'm sure they're looking at this hippie man with no pants on, and they're like, mm, I'm pretty sure I'm just smelling you. That's all that hippie cheese on him. All that hippie cheese. The detective begins searching the closet, and he finds all of Holly's belongings, including a handbag, her driver's license, her social security card, and a green suitcase. So what I don't understand at this point is that Ira is just fucking calmly sitting behind this detective like, got me. Yeah, but not saying got me yet. You think he's just like, hope he can't smell that. Right? Or Maybe like, Ira can't smell it. Is he going to play it off like, oh, who knew that was in there? What? I never had a key to this storage closet. What? Tell me the rest of the story. Oh, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. I got to know what he says. I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. So the detective, he's like, hmm, found some of her shit. I guess that's not so fishy because you guys used to date. But then he uncovers a giant storage trunk mm-hmm. that also has a lock on it. Mm-hmm. And there's fucking brown ooze seeping out of the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. And he turns to Ira and he asks him, do you have a key for this trunk? And of course, Ira's like, nope, don't have a key for that. And the detective's like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to break it open. And Ira's like, go for it, buddy. I don't know what he said, but. You I'm, do you, pal. I don't know if the detective's just like announcing it to the room. I will have to open this trunk, but he opens and it. And now for my next trick. <laughs> I'll need a crowbar. <laughs> And that's how he opens it. He grabs a crowbar and he pries it open and he's immediately hit with an even stronger scent of decaying flesh. And the detective sees immediately on the top that there's newspapers lining the trunk. And as he moves them to the side, he notices the trunk is filled with a ton of like the packing peanuts, the styrofoam, and air fresheners. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll help. Yeah. And... At the top of the trunk, he starts, like, sifting the peanuts to the side out of the way. Dear God, I hope he has gloves on. I hope so, too, because then he finds Holly's partially mummified hand sticking up as if she had been trying to push herself out of the fucking trunk. Oh, no. What the fuck? I'm not even kidding. I would shit myself. Shit myself if I were a detective. Like, obviously, you kind of know what you're going to find in there, so maybe Yeah, but you just found a... (sighs) Oh, like technically i guess buried a live person i know locked up a lot that's so fucked up i know 
Okay, so then the detective very calmly and coolly looks at Ira. I don't know why I'm giggling. And he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like an actual interview of the detective that I got most of this detail from. Yeah. And he goes, I looked at Ira and I say, it looks like we found Holly. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. He was waiting to yeah. use that line. He had it saved up. And then Ira goes, like he replies with a shrug. It looks like you found what you found. What a fucking dick. Yeah. That's not even a cool response. No. Anyway. Well, it wasn't a cool yeah. fucking finding <laughs> sentence looks either. Like we found Holly. The search is over. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I feel like he could have come up with something better I mean, in all that had, time. He had all that time. Well, he had time between breaking the, the fucking closet door. He knew what he was going to find in there. When he smelled it. He's yeah. like, oh, I got to come up with a good line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wonder what I'm going to find in here. Got to look cool in front of this guy with no fucking pants on. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, Ira was arrested. Mm-hmm. And Holly's body was removed and an autopsy was performed. It was discovered that Holly had suffered multiple blunt force trauma wounds to her skull. And it had been crushed in, like, several places. That's awful. Here's the worst part, and no. you already guessed it. It was determined that Holly had been alive when she was placed in the trunk based on the size of the trunk and the position of her body when they found her, and that she had tried to claw her way out. God damn it. Is that not your worst fucking nightmare? That's so awful. Like, think about your knee thing where you need to straighten out your knees. Ugh. And then imagine being stuck in a trunk and you can't straighten out your knees. And then imagine something a thousand times worse than that. Oh, my God. That is so bad. This poor fucking woman. I hope that she, like, wasn't conscious long because that sounds awful. That's fucked up. Yeah. I don't like this. I don't like it either. Her poor family. I didn't know when I read this story. I didn't know that part. I found that part out like towards the end and I was like, oh, yeah, that's terrible. Can you imagine someone that you fucking love doing that to you? No. Or like that happening to someone you love and knowing that that happened. Yeah. Like it's bad enough to know they're dead, but oh my God. That's fucked up. God damn. Okay, and I'm not even done. Okay. When her remains were found, she had become partially mummified, and her remains had only weighed 37 pounds. What? Isn't that weird? Like, well, it was like the environment partially mummified her. Yeah. Oh, my God, you couldn't pay me enough to ever live in that house or that apartment. Or the people downstairs would be like, move me now. Yeah, no, I feel like that's a... That's a valid reason to be like, can uh, we switch apartments? Yeah, I'd like to get the fuck out of here right now. So My flappies all got ruined. (laughs) I'm never going to look at pancakes the same. (laughs) Ira, back to Ira. (laughs) Ira was charged with murder. I guess in Pennsylvania, there's not degrees of murder. It's just fucking murder. Okay. And because of Ira's high social status, he was able to obtain a really good lawyer. No. And he had many very prestigious and important members of the community step forward as character witnesses on his behalf. Nope. And Ira started like ranting and raving that Holly's body had been planted in his apartment by the government. Oh, yeah. To shut him up because of all the anti-government propaganda that he'd been spreading. I don't care how much prestige you have, even if it's worldwide. I Worldwide. <laughs> if 
there is a body found in your apartment of your significant other. I'm going to fucking suspect your ass? Uh, well, I'm not going to fucking vouch for you then. No. Everybody fucking believed him. Everybody was like, no, no, no. Ira would never do this. It was the government because uh, the government fucking cares and they're that gonna, much. They're not going to like put a body in a trunk and then hide it in your house. They're going to like drop if this were a thing they'd like kill a body and drop it off and like run away like he like, hope you find it no you know what the government it. would do they would just kill him very solid point like very solid point. you really want to shut him up there's one way to do that and it's not to kill his girlfriend and plant her in his apartment and then wait for fucking a, two, a, years. two years yeah. to find her like yeah. yeah the government did that and then was just like hope someone finds her it that's just fucking to stupid show also that like stupid people have money too <sighs> hate it <laughs> they shouldn't be allowed to have money. I can't believe that they believed him. Why do they use the same currency as us? Should have to take a test. <laughs> oh man, we—I don't think we would pass that test. No, we wouldn't. But listen, maybe it's better for society. <laughs> okay, so his lawyers were able to secure Ira a bail hearing, which is like super rare in murder cases. Yeah, on account of you someone murdered. got murdered. Yeah, <laughs> and he was able to get the judge to agree to set Ira's bail at. $40,000. That's not that high. No, and only 10% of that has to be paid in order to allow Ira to get out on bail. Okay, I could afford that. I could too, and one of Ira's rich friends could also, and oh, no. they paid forty or I'm sorry, $4,000 to release him from jail so he could await his like murder trial. Uh-huh, and he promptly fled the country. Well, everyone who knew Ira did not believe, like I said, that he would ever do this or that he could have committed this murder. And they all stood by his side and they were like eager to hear his defense so that he could prove his innocence. Mm -hmm. He continued to carry on about his life. He went to all his little rallies, all his little friends and all that shit. He would talk to them about it and joke with them about the murder. Not so much like, ha, 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 that's a funny thing. But like the fact that he was even on trial was like hysterical to him. And that he wasn't worried at, I know, and that he wasn't worried at all because he knew he was innocent. And then on January 21st, 1981, on the eve of his fucking pre-trial, Ira fled the U.S. to Europe to avoid trial. Yeah. You know, because he's guilty. Exactly. I guess immediately all of his friends were like, oh. Oh, fuck. Maybe I was wrong. Yeah. He doesn't look so innocent anymore. Maybe the dead body found in his apartment really was a dead body found in his apartment. Yeah. Locked in a box, locked in a closet. Yeah. (laughs) Something he was trying to hide, maybe. Maybe they were all just like fucking hyped up on like peyote. (laughs) Hippie cheese. (laughs) Yeah, that hippie cheese. He runs away and he ends up in Ireland where he knocks on the door of an Irish couple and he pretends to be looking for another person that he thought he was like at the right address, but oh, I must be at the wrong address. Mm -hmm. It's just that I'm down on my luck and he was supposed to let me stay here. God. And so the Irish couple are like, oh, well, we have this guest house that you could use for a few months. No. And so they let him stay there. And then one day the Irish couple are like, hey, we're going to go on vacation to the U.S. And Ira got really weird and he got pissed. And he was like, if you go to the U.S., you cannot talk about me at all. Like, you can't mention my name. Don't tell them anything about me. Yeah. And the Irish couple were like, that's totally normal. (laughs) That's fucking suspicious. So they get to the U.S. and they're like, who the fuck is Ira? (laughs) Yeah. And they call the local newspaper and they get all the goddamn details on who this man is. And they were pissed. And okay, so, listen. Yeah. You didn't, I mean, you got hoodwinked. Yeah. But at the same time, you're you just letting a stranger stay in your fucking house. Yeah. Or your guest house. Yeah. Have some suspicions, people. Okay, this was the you early You barely 80s. got hoodwinked. Like, he didn't even have to try. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, 
They're real pissed, right? Yeah. But I guess at the time, Ireland and the U.S. didn't have an extradite treaty in place. So yeah, they can't yeah. send them back. Yeah. So the Irish couple, they return home and they're like, what the fuck are we going to do? Now we're living with a murderer and we have to pretend to not be fucking stretched out at every corner. Exactly. And so they go and they tell, like within 20 minutes of being home or whatever, they go and they tell him, we know who you are and you need to get out of our house and you have like 10 minutes to get your shit and leave. Okay. And we're not going to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I want you to get the fuck out of my house. And he does. He leaves. He leaves them alone. He doesn't like do anything what the fuck yep got it later (laughs) no problem deuces yeah and so ira leaves and he's on the run again and then in 1985 the u.s had tracked him down to dublin they put an alert out to the local police however like i said there's no requirements for the ireland law to extradite him Mm -hmm. so ira fled again after he heard about the alert and it's believed that he went to the UK where he was kind of lost again, like no one knew where he was. Mm-hmm. And back in the US, they made a decision to try him in absentia, which means that they held a murder trial without him there. So he didn't have a defense case or anything. They like okay. brought forth all the evidence. I guess this is a thing that we do here. Okay. And supposedly trying somebody in absentia is very popular for cases where the perp goes on the run. Because if they wait too many years and they try to go to trial after they catch the guy, you lose a lot of key witnesses, people forget things, yeah. and there's like a long enough time that you won't convict the person because you don't have enough evidence anymore. Yeah. So that's what they did in Philadelphia. They try him. He's convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison, but he's still on the loose in Europe, so he's not like actually in prison or anything. He just has this sentence back in the U.S. Yeah. So all of this time, Ira's on the run, and he has all of these connections with these rich people, and they keep helping him with money and, like, funding his flights because they still truly believe he's innocent and shit. No. I know, right? Eventually, they start to catch on that he isn't so innocent. How fucking stupid can you be? I have no idea. One of the rich people started feeling guilty, whatever, didn't think he was innocent anymore, and was like, hey, listen, I've been helping him run away and here's the last known address that i have of him you should go track him down like i didn't realize what i was doing was so wrong i didn't realize i was being such an asshole back there i thought he was innocent and it turns out he's not so let's just get this over with my bad so this address that the lady gives the police leads investigators to ira's new wife who had been living in france with ira Both of them were living under false names. Okay. And she knew that Ira was wanted for murder, but she didn't believe that he had committed it, just like everybody else in his fucking life. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, there was an issue with the extradition process because Ira was facing life in prison back in the U.S., and France had laws that if a person is tried in absentia and is found guilty, that they are granted the right to another trial by simply asking for one. Okay. So... They're saying if you hold a trial in absentia and deny the person the chance to defend themselves, that you're not granting them a fair trial. I mean, it doesn't sound far off. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because of this whole thing, France couldn't extradite Ira back to the U.S. because this would deny him a fair trial. Well, in Pennsylvania, they created the old poophole loophole law, (laughs) also known as the Einhorn Law, (laughs) which allows a person who is tried in absentee to be granted a new trial if requested. Holy shit. So they're like, no, no, no. If he wants a new trial, he can have a new trial. Yeah. He's just got to come here. Yeah. Come here a minute. 
Come Why don't here. you sit down over here? <laughs> and because of this new Einhorn law, France was like, all right, you can have Ira back. <laughs> <laughs> Deuces. <laughs> and Ira was like, fuck, I don't want to go back to the U.S. So he tried to commit suicide. And he tried to commit suicide by slitting his fucking throat. What? The hell, right? That's pretty dramatic. He didn't die. They gave him, like, medical help okay there's pictures of it too and you're like what the fuck okay it's well i don't know if it was like pictures right after or what there's blood all over his neck and it looks like he's just like talking in the middle of a fucking sentence i don't know yeah because i think it's like nearly impossible to slit your own throat i don't know and that's the dumbest way i just it's not theatrics of it all yeah so they give him medical treatment and they send him back to the u.s where he's retried and he's found guilty again of holly maddox's murder and he's given life in prison. Good. He was convicted and sentenced on October 17th, 2002, which is 25 years after he fucking murdered her. Holy shit. This is the saddest fucking part. Well, maybe not the saddest, but Holly's parents died before they could see justice for her. No. Her father committed suicide. Oh, God. And her mother died of complications of emphysema before Ira was ever caught. Oh, that's so sad. It's so sad. I guess Holly's family thought that it would take like a year or two to get him behind bars after they found her, you know? Yeah, I think any normal person would be like, oh, they found the body locked in his apartment. Yeah, we're good to go. Yeah. But it turned out to be like this crazy emotional roller coaster ride because every time they would catch him, they'd think they'd get him. Like, okay, bring him back to the U.S. and there would be all these like laws and shit in place that would make it so that they couldn't get him. And I guess he was like doing interviews and shit, like publicly being like, yep, feels great to be free again. What a fucking asshole. Yeah, so this poor fucking family. God damn, that's fucked up. I wish I had more about Holly, though. Yeah. Makes me sad because this guy sounds like a fucking arrogant asshole, chauvinistic, like, Mm. Yeah, like everything's about him anyway. Yeah. And then I just talked about him forever. I hate it. Yeah. All right, Aaron, give me your fucking story. Okay. My story is about a man named Oscar Ray Bolin. Oh, okay. He was known as Bolin the Butcher. Bolin the Butcher. Mm-hmm. He's not really a butcher, though. Don't get... Don't get too Don't excited. Get excited. Yeah. So, he was an ex-carnival worker who turned oh. long-haul truck driver. Oh, my gosh. Of course. So, like, your two professions where you're like, those people are kind of shady. Yep. So, December 5th, 1986, the body of a woman was found wrapped in a sheet near a railroad tracks in a rural area of Pasco County, Florida. Motherfucking Florida. An autopsy revealed that she had been stabbed in the neck and chest <gasps> and beaten multiple times over the head. Semen was also found no. on her pants and inside her, but there were no other signs of rape. How is there no rape? Well, there were no other signs of rape. Like, oh, okay. It wasn't damaged, I guess. You know, like the rape kit. Oh, so, God. So she could have just had sex previously. Okay, got it. And she was found with her clothes on. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. She and her clothing were wet, but it had not rained in, like, a couple of days. That's fucking weird. Yeah. So then the body was determined to be Terry Lynn Matthews, who was 26 years old, and she had been working at a bank the previous evening until 11 p.m. Ugh. After work, she went to her boyfriend Gary's house, and they went out to dinner and then went back to her boyfriend's house that he lived in with his parents. It's a late-ass dinner. Fucking right. I was like, if I'm getting off at 11 p.m., I'm going home. Yeah, we're watching TV, and then I'm going to bed. Yeah, or if I'm going to go to your house, like, I'm going to stay there because we're just going to watch TV and go to sleep. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. 
At about 2 a.m., Terry left to go home about 30 miles away, and it should have taken like... 30? Yeah. It should have taken like 30 or 40 minutes to drive. So she normally called her boyfriend to let him know when she got home safe, but she never called. Yep. So her boyfriend called Terry's mom, who she lived with, and the mom said that Terry never returned home. Oh. So then Gary goes out and starts driving to Terry's house, like, looking for her along the way. Yeah, this is a very good boyfriend. Fucking right. Boyfriend of the year award. Yeah, Brandon would have been like, I fell asleep. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, even sometimes when you leave here, I'm like, your text will wake me up, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, thank God she's alive. (laughs) Glad she's alive. (laughs) I was sleeping. (laughs) Exactly. I'll wake up in the morning and be like, she never texts me. (laughs) I should probably call her. She might be dead. Yeah. Lee will call you if I don't show up. Yeah, yeah, and if you're not answering your phone, and he'd be like, the fuck? Although sometimes I come home and he's asleep. <laughs> well, listen. Just try not to die in the wee hours of the morning. Okay, I'll try really hard. So he sees her car in a post office parking lot and he gets out to check oh. out the surroundings, right? That's weird. Yeah. Here's my nightmare. Because it's in a post office. Oh, And now Lord. I go to the post office. I don't go at night and now after this story I never will. But... <laughs> So the car's parking lights were still on and mail was strewn around the car that was addressed to Terry's family. Oh my God. Why was she going to the post office so goddamn late? Well, apparently her family had a P.O. box there and she would often stop on her way home from work to pick up the mail. Are P.O. boxes open anytime? Yes. Okay. So police were able to obtain security footage of Terry in the post office. So it's grainy-ass motherfucking security footage? Probably, yeah. And there was no one else in the footage, and it didn't show the parking lot or anything. So oh, okay. There you go. That's all I know is that she, it was it was her car, obviously. It was her mail, and she was there. Yeah. So for years, no one knew what had happened to her, and they were able to rule Gary out as a suspect based on the semen evidence that was found on her pants. Okay. Was it his? No. Oh, so she probably was raped. Yeah. Okay. Well. Unless she just had somebody else she was having sex with. I saw that there was semen found inside her, and then in another article it kept saying that it was found on her pants, and so I don't know if maybe his was, like, inside her, and there was no sign of rape, and then the other guy was on the pants. Oh. I don't actually know, but the jizz was not Gary's. Okay. (laughs) So... (laughs) Not Gary's jizz. Got it. Yeah. But police had no other leads. So they're like, well, we got no one to test this shit against. Yeah. That's it. So we just know it's not yours. Yeah. So then on January 25th, 1986, 25-year-old Blanche Holly was found dead. She had been stabbed and left in an orange grove. She had apparently been abducted when she left work at Church's Chicken. Yeah. So November 5th, 1986... 17-year-old Stephanie Collins went missing from a shopping center parking lot, and her body was found one month later, which was the same day that Terry's body was found, near a rural road in Pasco County, again with blunt injuries to her head. Okay, first of all, these women need to stop being in parking lots. (laughs) Yeah, or working. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go home. Oh my god, that's awful. There's... No leads to any of these. Jesus, they nobody, just keep popping up. Yeah, nobody knows anything. And then in 1990, a lady named Cheryl Kobe told her husband that her ex-husband had confessed to killing Terry. Uh, good her, that he's an ex. Her ex-husband was Oscar Ray Bolin. Mm-hmm. So the new husband was like, 
Thought, what the thought? fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And How long he, have you been sitting on this information? Yeah. And he called the police, like, immediately. Good. And the police came to interview Cheryl. And then, according to Cheryl, Oscar told her that he had killed Terry and then recruited the help of his then 13-year-old brother, Philip, <gasps> to help him get rid of the body. No. This poor kid. So the police. So why there's so much jizz everywhere? <laughs> That's a bad joke. That's fucked up. That's a bad joke. <laughs> so the police go to interview Philip, who confirms Cheryl's story, but said he wouldn't help his brother. And so, okay. like, that's all he's got, right? Okay, so he's like, yeah, he did it, but it wasn't me who helped. Yeah, he's like, yeah, she's not lying. That all happened. Yeah. So then police go to arrest Oscar, and turns out he's already in prison, serving 25 to 75 years for oh. kidnapping and raping a 20-year-old waitress. Jesus Christ. Uh, apparently, she had been taken on her way home from work, like she was getting out of the parking lot, and then Oscar was in front of her car, and she was like, what the fuck? Uh, no. And so she was like, I'm getting out of here, right? Yeah. Later, loser. And then he pulled a gun. Nope. And was like, move over. I'm going to take <gasps> your car, right? Oh and God. she was like, God damn it. So, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So she did. And then I guess, I don't remember too many of the details on it, but he took her to a truck stop and there were other truckers there. Uh-huh. And at first she thought that like they weren't in on it. But then she heard them, like, laughing and stuff, <gasps> and he raped her multiple times in, like, the oh back of his truck while oh these other God. guys were out there. No. Yeah. And the guys knew I don't happening? know if they knew. The way that it sounded was that they knew. Yeah. And so, eventually, I guess one of the guys came forward and was like, yo, it was this guy. <gasps> like, she obviously reported the incident and yeah. stuff. And so, she then, lives, though. Yeah, she lived. Okay. But one of the other truck driver guys, like, confirmed that, hey, it was this Oscar guy. And so he was sent to prison for 25 to 75 years. Oh, God. Which is now... Good thing she got away. Fucking, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So now they're looking for him for these murders of these other women. He's already in prison. Mm Mm-hmm. They find him. So at the time of Terry's murder, Oscar and his then-wife Cheryl had a P.O. box at the same post office (gasps) that Terry was last seen. Which is my fucking nightmare, because I've told you that we have a murderer as our fucking P.O. Box neighbor. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. That's so terrifying. Oh, my God. Yeah. (gasps) So that's how he got... Why was he at the P.O. Box at 2 o'clock in the goddamn morning? I don't know. Maybe he had, like, seen her car or something. Oh, no. Thank you. But his box was only feet away from (gasps) Terry's box. Not that it matters, because, like, in that room, you're still in the room together. <laughs> like, if, oh, his P.O. box was way over there. Yeah. It doesn't really make a difference, but also it just feeds my fucking fear. Yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> Here's why he was there. <laughs> now I remember. It's right here. <laughs> I wrote it down in one of my notes. So Cheryl had asked Oscar to stop by the P.O. box that day to pick up a Social Security check since she was in the hospital. Oh, shit. He had visited the hospital the day before, and Cheryl yelled at him for not having the check. <laughs> and then the next day when he went to visit, he had the check, which means that he had he been in the it. P.O. box sometime that evening when Terry went missing. Yeah. So I mentioned that Cheryl was in the hospital during the time of, of Terry's murder. Yeah. The blanket that Terry had been found wrapped in <gasps> was a blanket from St. Joseph's Hospital Stop in Tampa. It. I know what you're thinking. Yep. <laughs> but. I think I know. Cheryl was actually at Tampa General Hospital. Oh, okay. It's a different hospital. Weird. But they could have gotten mixed up, right? But 
she had been at St. Joseph's before, and she was that lady that, like, took all the fucking shit oh. from the hospital. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, we probably had a St. Joseph's blanket. Like, oh, she would take okay. blankets and whatever, shampoo. Got or it. Yeah. Fucking gloves and stuff. Trays and shit. Yeah. So there were also tire tracks left by Terry's body. And the most recent tracks that were there looked like they came from a really large vehicle with two wheels in the front and four wheels in the back. <laughs> okay. I'm so glad you ended that with four wheels in the back. <laughs> a really large vehicle with two wheels in the front and get this, two in the back. <laughs> Say it ain't so. <laughs> no, there were four in the back. Gotcha. An expert determined it was possibly an automobile wrecker. A wrecker? Yeah. They kept calling it a wrecker. Like a crusher? It drives around, though. Oh, like a wrecking ball? Mm, no. What does it wreck? <laughs> um, well, he Cars goes, or other things? Late, and it uh, is a car. Cars, I guess. <laughs> okay. Later in this story, he goes out on a call of a stranded car, and so I was like, is it a tow truck? I was real oh, confused. Oh, maybe. So if anyone knows what an automobile wrecker is, I could have Googled it. Didn't. Could have. Not gonna. I mean, this is Florida, though. We should know this terminology. Yeah. So... At least one of the tires was also a Cooper brand tire. Ooh, a Cooper brand. Mm-hmm. In December of 1986, Oscar was working as a trainee for a wrecker company. Oh, really now? Yeah. Normally, he wouldn't be allowed to use the wrecker alone and would have an experienced <laughs> driver with him. But when a call came in on the day of the murder with a stranded car, he mm. begged to go out alone. Okay. He was like, give me a chance. I can do it. Blah, blah, blah. And... The owner didn't want him to go, but the owner's wife, Rosemary, was like, come on, give him a chance. Loosen up a little bit. Yeah. And so she convinced her husband to let him go. Oh, how shitty must you feel once you find that out? Yeah. So then Oscar was supposed to get back that afternoon, but the company only heard from him once when he called to get clearance to accept the check for the stranded car. And then they didn't hear from him again, and they eventually closed the business for the night, and he still wasn't back. Oh, God. So then that night, Rosemary, the owner's wife, woke up to a CB radio that they had next to their bed going off. Mm -hmm. And it was Oscar, but she couldn't understand him, and she told him to go to a payphone and call back. Uh -huh. But he didn't. Okay. So then the next day, they go to the shop, and they open up, and Oscar still wasn't there. And he didn't get back to the shop until mid-morning, and he looked dirty, disheveled, and was wearing the same clothes as the day before. Oh, shit. Yeah. So then later that day, Rosemary was watching TV when the news did a report on Terry Matthews' body being discovered. Uh-huh. And she said that Oscar got physically, like, excited. Like, he was pumped up. And what? Yeah. Like, excited by the news of this. Oh. Kind of flash forward to 1991, since we already kind of know that this guy is the murderer. Yeah. In 1991, Robert Kales, the owner of the wrecking company, committed suicide. <gasps> And I guess it was partially because the guilt that he felt for having hired Oscar. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, yeah. that's not his fault. It's not his fault oh, at all. so sad. And it's not like he wouldn't Knew. have killed that girl yeah. had he not had that record. That, like, that's not... Yeah. It's not him at all. But I could also, like you said, Rosemary must feel guilty for yeah. letting him go out. Like, I could see the guilt. Yeah, that's fucked up. So, there was also semen found on Terry's pants, right? 
Uh-huh. And it appeared to have come from a type A blood, but Oscar was a type AB. Okay. But apparently, with deterioration and some other science words... You lose the B. <laughs> yeah, the B the, falls off. The blood, <laughs> the, the blood makeup could have disintegrated, leaving only type A. Interesting. So like you said, the B just falls off. <laughs> we lost the B, but we know there's at least A. Yeah. So using more complex testing, they determined that there was a 1 in 2,000 chance that the DNA belonged to someone other than Oscar. Oh, okay. So not great chances but also you know when you hear those they're always like one in a billion chance yeah, and you're like oh it's, it's definitely small. this guy yeah like two thousands not that many yeah that's true considering how many people there are in the world but how many or of those even people in had... fucking florida yeah like, yeah <laughs> how many of those people had access to a wrecker yeah all the other is. things yeah that considering that he did it <laughs> yeah yeah aside from all the rest of the evidence it's yeah. not great evidence <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, apparently, Oscar liked to talk because one night he got drunk with his cousin's wife and she jokingly asked him if he had killed anyone. What the fuck? Yeah. To which he got serious and described in detail the murder of Terry Matthews. Jesus. Yeah. So now, let's not forget his little brother, Philip, right? Yeah. Who helped him? Well, he asked him to help dispose of the body and according to Philip, he was woken up in the middle of the night because Oscar said he needed him and to come outside. And so Philip went outside, and he said he saw a person wrapped in a sheet lying on the ground making gurgling noises. No! Yeah. And I guess Oscar heard the gurgling noises, too, and then grabbed a piece of wood <gasps> with metal on the end. No. That truck drivers call a tire buddy. <laughs> it's like a piece to check the tire pressure. Uh-huh. And he raised it above his head, and Philip said he knew it was going to happen, so he turned away. But he heard Oscar hit the person on the ground multiple times until the gurgling stopped. Oh my god. Yeah. Jesus. 13 years old. Criminy. Oh, holy lord. This poor little boy. Oh my gosh. That's awful. Yeah. He was just sleeping, man. Yeah, right? What a nice, pleasant night. And then all of a sudden your fucking asshole brother shows up. Jesus. Come help me. How about go fuck yourself? Yeah. How about no? So... Philip said that Oscar then told him to grab the hose and turn it on, but he refused, and so Oscar did it himself and put the end in Terry's mouth <gasps> in an attempt to drown her. But she's... In case the wood beating didn't do it, I guess. <gasps> what the fuck? Apparently, the description that Philip gave of the body he saw matched Terry's, including that she was dressed, but she wasn't wearing shoes. That's why she was wet. Exactly. The hose thing could explain why her body was wet, and, like, oh, that wasn't, I guess, part of the stuff in the news or whatever, so... Yeah. It's... He's fucking he's, describing... He's... Exactly. Yeah, putting right? the story together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then Oscar then told Philip to come with him to dispose of the body, but Philip was like, fucking no, man. I'm not doing oh this shit. Oh, my God. I told you once, tell you again, Oscar. Yeah, Jesus Christ, Oscar. He did, however, help him load the body into the back of a wrecker. So Philip was so afraid of his brother that he didn't say anything to anyone except for his best friend at school the next day. And the best friend came to Philip's house after school and saw bloodstains on the lawn. <gasps> so, like, the best friend kind of confirmed, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, there's blood there. Yeah. Oh, my God, what a really good best friend to not say anything. Right? Not, I mean, maybe not a good best friend because somebody should have said something, but... Yeah. Girls, girls would have talked. 
I would have told everyone in the school. Yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> I went over to Aaron's house and saw blood in her driveway. Yeah. I'd be like, um, did you hear Stacy's fucking brother killed a guy? Yeah. Did you hear Brick killed a guy? <laughs> so Philip and his parents moved to Kentucky shortly after all this happened, and he didn't tell anyone else about what had happened until police came to his door after talking to Cheryl. Wow. Yeah. And then he was like, ah, oh, no, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Why is that? It was a rough night. Yeah. I was so tired the next day at school. Asshole. So then in 1990, Oscar is tried with all three women's murders in three separate trials. Uh Uh-huh. He was found guilty and sentenced to death in each trial. Oh, good. But. Oh. In 1995, he appealed and won a (gasps) new trial. What? Because the jury shouldn't have been allowed to hear Cheryl's testimony because it should have been protected by Florida's spousal privilege rules. So even though they were divorced, quote, conversations between a husband and wife are confidential. What? Yeah. What? What? Yeah. Uh, if Lee's murdering anybody, I'm telling someone. Yeah. Well, and they better go off with. Also, if you were I guess in Florida, I'll tell you and then have you tell someone. Yeah, exactly. Then our conversation wouldn't be confidential. <laughs> well, if you were in Florida and Lee told you about murdering someone, apparently that's in fucking the strictest confidence. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he was tried again and was, again, sentenced to death in all three cases. Good. But they had put Cheryl's testimony in again. So the high court was like, A, I fucking said you can't do that. I said no. Yeah. And it turns out that Oscar attempted suicide while in prison. And in a letter, he said to talk to Cheryl, which the prosecutors took to mean that he was waiving his spousal privilege. Uh Uh-huh. And the high court, or fucking grand wizards, were like, (laughs) no, that doesn't count. And so Uh he got another new trial. Holy shit. So this is lucky number seven. Yeah. Jesus Christ. 2001. Oh, my gosh. And he was again convicted and sentenced to death. Good. He spent 28 years in prison and he was executed. All right. In his pre-execution interview. I don't interview, know why I sound so excited. <laughs> all right. Fucking kill him. Yeah. <laughs> so in his pre-execution interview, he denied ever knowing or killing the girls. Sure he did. I watched the interview. Mm-hmm. It was, I don't know what I was expecting, but was he creepy? was fucking creepy. Like, yeah. he kind of had the dead eyes. Uh, they all do. Yeah. I'm not, like, a psychologist or anything, but I kept being like, can you fucking look at the camera? Because he was looking at the interviewer, obviously, but I really just wanted him to look at the camera. Creepy. I was like, I just want him to, like. What if he just went bam and looked really quick? Right? That's back. what I was waiting for. I was, like, Ugh. fucking staring at his eyes, like, fucking do it. Look Ugh. at me. I want to see you. Weirdo. I know. It's really weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> also, it was called, like, the pre-execution interview of Bill Oscar. the Butcher. Yeah, Bolin the Butcher uh-huh. of Oscar Ray Bolin. And all of the comments, because it was on YouTube, so, like, all the comments were like, I'd really like to see the post-execution interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not that exciting. And I was like, that is oh a stupid God. name for this video. <laughs> that was the pre-execution video. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. So... Something else that was kind of interesting to note, but that means literally nothing. Uh-huh. On October 5th, 1996, Oscar got married while he was in prison oh. to a lady named Rosalie Bolin. Well, it's her last name now, I guess. Yeah. She left her husband, who was an attorney, and oh four God. kids to oh be with God. this guy. Oh, my God. These women. Yeah. Okay. They got married over the phone. He was in prison, and she was in her apartment, so not even, like, through Classy. the glass. Yeah. And she believes that Oscar is innocent. 
Of course she does. Yeah. She's a fucking crazy person. Yeah. So. They always are. Yeah. So that's it. That's the story of Oscar Ray Bolin. Well, goddamn. The Bolin Butcher? Yeah, Bolin the Butcher. I mean, he stabbed. Yeah, he didn't really butch, though. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. I had never heard of that one before. I mean, I haven't heard of, like, any of the ones we've told. (laughs) Or most of them. I guess there's been a couple, but... Yeah. That's a good one. I hadn't heard of it either. And then I came across the pre-execution interview thing. And I was like, well, I'm always going to watch one of those, right? (laughs) (laughs) Let me get my popcorn and sit down and see what this is all about. Yeah. And then I was like, this guy's a fucking psychopath. And Uh, then he's creepy. And then the whole P.O. box thing happened. And I was like, all right, I got to do this one. Yeah, this one creeps me out real hard. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little close to home, even though it's on the other side of the country. Yeah. It's close to home. But it's all about, it's all about, you know could it happen to me and you're like i don't like those yeah exactly That's and sometimes i go into the post office and there's creepy fucking people in there and Ugh, i'm like because the post office nope yep. and i'm leaving yeah i'm just gonna get my shit gotta start taking carl i know right except That's that he'd answer. be like don't fucking come near my mom <laughs> and you'd be like carl he's just getting his mail yeah <laughs> he's cool he's allowed to be here buddy oh that guy he's not fucking cool though yeah get him yeah <laughs> well goddamn. yeah goddamn. But also, that's a pretty good little segue into we got some more mail. Yeah, we did. Yeah. What's up? We got mail from Honor. Oh, Honor. Yeah. She sent us a lovely little letter, and I still have to write her back. Actually, I will have done it by the time this podcast comes out. That is a goddamn guarantee. You are getting some goddamn pen pals. I know. Honor's the fucking best, and I love her. She is. Ugh. She sent us a postcard from the Museum of Death. And I I'm know. So jealous. I know. Yeah. So next time we're in Nola. Yeah. <laughs> we really should go there though, because I've always yes. wanted to be. Yes. And we I've always to- wanted to bend, is what I almost said. <laughs> and I went with it, and I was like, I've always wanted to bend as well. <laughs> also, if I haven't, if you've sent us anything and I haven't written you back, I, it's fucking coming. It's fucking coming. Yeah. I just got to buckle up, buckaroos. You wanted these pen pals, baby. I did, and I still do. And I would like everyone to take note of the beautiful pens that I'm going to use. <laughs> oh, my God. You're such a nerd. I know. I can't <laughs> help it. <laughs> okay, some other shout-outs. Uh, we have Megan on Facebook. Oh, hey, girl. And then on Twitter, we got Big Daddy's Doll. <laughs> nice. That's like my second favorite Twitter handle now. Yeah. It's like Thick Jizzy and Big Daddy's Doll. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if if only there could be a love connection. <laughs> Can you guys just have a conversation together <laughs> and tag us? <laughs> yeah, we just need to be involved in that. In I need the... to see Thick Jizzy say something to Big Daddy's doll. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are fucking amazing. Yeah, you are. Thick Jizzy keeps getting co- like called out just because we love his goddamn name. It's true. And then wait, and then we have our iTunes shout outs. What? That's right. We just got another review today from She Ted. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Shateed. <laughs> I'm sure it's supposed to be like shithead with an E in front of it. She uh-huh. Ted. Uh huh. I like and it. And Boo Two You Eight One, aka we know that's B. What up, B? What's up? Oh, she's from fucking England. Yeah, she is. Girl, you need to fucking send us a goddamn. Uh, you need to send us a goddamn and also say some other shit into it so that we can hear more of your fucking accent yeah and then also butt kicker one two three four five six seven eight nine what's up baby oh, shit 
That's a lot of butt kicking. There's so many. You guys are fucking awesome. Yeah, you are. Thank you so much. We love you and we love to hear that you're enjoying the show or all the suggestions and shit you guys have been sending in. Yes. Oh, man. You have no idea. It makes our days. You guys are the best and we're so fucking lucky to have you. Yeah. All the things. So if you haven't already, go check out our website, isgdpodcast.com to see pictures relating to our cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're at ISGD Podcast. You can email us at isgdpodcast at gmail.com. You can snail mail us. Yep, at do that for Erin. She mm-hmm. loves it. Yeah, but don't murder. No murdering. Only snail mails. Yes. No murders. And that's at P.O. Box 2764, Spring Valley, California, 91979. Yep. It smells like farts in here. It does. I think it's hanging. <laughs> I think so, too. I thought it was my breath for a minute. I was like, God damn, I need to brush these teeth. <laughs> like the screen's just throwing it back at you. I kept yeah. being like, is it cereal? It smells like cereal. Cereal? Yeah, I smell cereal. Like Cheerios. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it smells like straight up ass to me. It smells like dog ass. <laughs> anyway. On that note, we love you guys. Bye. Later. And if you're all caught up on our podcast, stay tuned for a promo from Murder Mile True Crime Podcast. Hi, I'm Michael, host of the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast, which was nominated as one of the best British true crime podcasts of 2018, is based on my five-star rated guided walk, and features more than 300 untold, unsolved, and long-forgotten murders, all set within one square mile of London's West End. So if you love hearing about new cases for the first time, old cases through a fresh pair of ears, and classic cases with a twist, all researched using the original declassified police investigation files, written using first-hand accounts, and recorded using authentic sounds from the murder location itself, then Murder Mile is just for you. Download the Murder Mile True Crime podcast on iTunes, Acast, or your favorite podcast platform every Thursday. Thank you for listening, and stay safe.